0: God a hand, man. I certainly appreciate the barons. Uh, Daniel and Rebecca and their little baby Saquel. We're just uh, thanking God for them. They're great people. And you know that that's another reason I love my church. You know, when you see people who've grown up here and now they're going out and they're doing things for God, it's kind of cool to watch that happen over the years. And that, that's that's what the church is all about. So we've been, we've been taking, uh, taking a few weeks here, and we're just calling this Hashtag I Love My Church. We're wanting to just kind of connect and celebrate a little bit about what God is doing in the church. Uh, two years ago, we did a series called Hashtag I Love My Church. Uh, the t-shirts are available in the foyer. You can get them out there afterwards. So we'll call this Hashtag I Love My Church 2.0, right? 2.0. It's the updated edition. But uh, I want you to think with me. Last week, we started, we said, what is the church? And those were the questions that, that we have to understand. If Jesus said, I will build my church upon this rock, I will build my church. If he is saying, I will build my church, then what is it? What is it that he's going to build? It certainly wasn't a building. And we talked about that because buildings are just temporary. Uh, God is building his church. Jesus said that he would be the one who builds it. And the word that he used there for church in the Greek is a word called "ecclesia." And if you, you'll look, if you were to look that up, you would find it means called out ones. And so these were people that were called out, and they weren't just called out to come and hear a sermon. They weren't just called out to to hear something nice and to to have a good mental ascent to what was happening. They were called out to do something. And so in a secular sense, uh, you would have an ecclesia, it could be a political ecclesia, but you would call people out, and they would be gathered to do something. So God has given us this church, this is our church here, this is our ecclesia, not the building, but you the people. We the people. And as we come together, we are his ecclesia. And so as we come together and he's called us out, it is, again, not just for something uh, to feel good so that you'll have a devotional, but so that you will do something. And what is it that he's called us to do? Well, the very last words before Jesus ascended into heaven, we have them in Matthew chapter 28. Uh, Matthew records for us, Jesus said this, all right? And Jesus came to them and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Uh, he, he's, he's getting ready to go to heaven. He's, he's going to ascend into the clouds. He has already died on the cross. He was buried for three days. He has risen again. Now he's getting ready to ascend into the clouds, and what he does is he's, he's got the disciples. There's eleven disciples left. Remember, one, one betrayed him. So he has the eleven disciples, and he comes and he is handing them the power. He's transferring. He says, listen, I, I'm leaving, and all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, and I'm giving it to you now. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Uh, that, that's the mission of the church is to make a disciple. And so you say, well, what is a disciple? Okay. You know, you think of the 12 disciples. Uh, they had a, they certainly had a high commitment. They were Jesus' 12 disciples. But we see the word disciple used elsewhere to the, to the 70, to the 120. And so what he's called us to do is to be, to be not only learners, but an apprentice, if you will. Somebody who's going to become like their master. So he says, I want you to, the, to therefore go, and the word is really as you're going. So as you're living your life, he's called us to go as a church and as individuals and make disciples of all nations. We want to make disciples of people everywhere. I'm super excited about this word of all nations. That's why we have missionaries in, like the barons this morning. Last week we had um, Fernando Bassler in Ecuador. Uh, you know, We have an opportunity to go to Haiti this year, folks. One of our, one of our people in the church has an aunt, and uh, her aunt lives in Haiti as a missionary, and they've invited us to go. So you're going to hear some more about that. We're looking at another trip to Ecuador, possibly next summer. So we have all these opportunities to go all over the world. But he says, I want you to make disciples of all the nations. And what the disciples did from there, they were centered in Jerusalem, and they spread out. And they went all over the world and God, and as you look through the book of Acts, you see the action of the apostles, you see the actions of the early church, and you will find out from that history that they went out and they made disciples and they went as far as they possibly could. And God's called us to do the same, to make disciples of all people. So as we come and we're making disciples of all people, he says, I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Um, baptism is an outward sign of an inward decision. So he's called us to, to make disciples, help people become followers and learners, apprentices of Jesus to become more like Jesus. But he says, now, not only do I want you to be a disciple, he says, I want you to baptize them. That's an outward sign of an inward decision. I always tell people that baptism doesn't get you to heaven. It gets you wet, all right? So it's that, it's the outward sign. What has happened inside your relationship with Jesus, okay? You can get baptized and still not be a believer. That happens, I'm sure. And you you uh, you can be a believer and not be baptized, okay? So baptism is not, your salvation is not contingent upon baptism. But baptism is very important. Why would he tell us this if it's his last statement? His his very last instructions are, hey, go and make disciples, and I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he says, says, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Now, Jesus summed up all his teachings with this. He said there were two commandments. Remember whenever he was asked, uh, whenever the man was coming to him and said, and who is my neighbor? And he said, you know, and what, what commands, I've kept all the commands, what should I do? He says, there's two commandments. He says, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So what is our job at the church? Is to teach all that Jesus has commanded, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, to have a vertical relationship, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And to have this vertical, uh, vertical and horizontal relationship. So we have the vertical with God, and then you have this horizontal. And what is really wild is as you grow this vertical relationship, if this is growing, then this will grow too. And it's not an either or. It is an if and. It is if you're a follower of Christ, you will love your neighbor, you will love your family, you will love your relatives, you will love the people that you don't like, you will love the people that you do like. You'll love people, so love God and love each other. He says, and I'm surely, I'm with you till the very end of the age. He, he promises his power. What, what's he given us his power for? His power was not so that you could uh, just do whatever you wanted to do. His power was given for a reason. And that is to go and make disciples. So that's what we're called to do. That's what, again, people like the Barons are going to do. They're going out to make disciples who will make disciples who will make disciples. Here in our church, we've uh, we've given the mission of our church. What are we trying to do here? And uh, and on the mission of our church is to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's it. It's pretty simple. It's pretty hard. It's pretty big, right? There's a whole lot to that statement. But we are focused here. Everything that we do, when you come in here on the weekends, we're helping you grow in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, when you get into one of our life groups, you get into our smaller group gatherings, everything that we do is pointing towards Jesus and helping you to grow into a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter two, verse nineteen and twenty. We started here last week. In just a quick review, Ephesians two nineteen and twenty. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. He says you were you were once, and he takes there were three pictures. Remember, he says, but fellow citizens. I right? at one time you were a stranger, you were a foreigner. These folks are going to uh, to work in a border town. See how God cares about the, the strangers and the foreigner? He says, for us, we were once strangers. We were lost. And we talked a lot about that last week. He says, now you are fellow citizens. He uses the analogy of a nation, first of all. And then he moves from the nation, he says, with the saints and members of the household of God. He says, and now you have the household of God. He says, not only are you are a nation, but you're a family. And then he takes it a step further. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, verse 21, and in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. And so here's what happens. He says you move from a a nation to a family he says, now a building, and it's almost like, all right, how's the analogy fit? It's proximity. You go from living within miles of each other to living within feet in a family. And then he says, in the building, now you're tightly fit. I'm going to throw a picture up here of a, of a, a wall that would, would be common in that day. You know, when I think of a block wall, when I think of building a building, I think of like our red brick outside, don't you? It's all uniform. It works, you know, it's just easy. Grab another brick, put, put the mortar down. This would be common in that day. Uh, There's all kind of... You look all over the block there. Some block are big, some block are small. All these stones. And what happens is, I thought, this is a real picture of the church. Uh, The church of Jesus. If we are the stones, and he's shaping us, and he's molding us into, into this building... He says that, that on, on the foundation of Jesus, so we're built on the foundation of Jesus, built on the apostles' teachings, right? So that is the Bible, the prophets and the apostles. So we come here and we're building upon the word of God and we're building on Christ alone because Christ is the center. He, he's, he's the chief cornerstone, he says. So as we build on there, God puts us all together. And I tell you what, this really looks like the church, doesn't it? We're all different shapes and sizes in the church. Some of us are larger, right? Some of us are smaller, right? Uh, we all, but we're all important. And we all have these different personalities. So the church is the only place where you can get all these personalities together, and somehow it works. <laughs> okay? There, somehow it works. Why? Because he is the builder. He is shaping us. He's molding us. So, you know, we have, we have all kind of diversity in here. And as it all comes together, God says, I'm the one who makes this work. This doesn't work because you just decided to have a place and call it church. This works because I make it work. Because God builds it. He's the one who makes it work. He says, I'm putting this together. And the the powerful part of that verse is is that we are a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Why has he called us out? Yes, to make disciples. We are His dwelling place. Now this is—it's got, got my attention big time. It's in the Scripture here. As we gather, as we come together, we are His dwelling place. The dwelling place of the Lord Most High is no longer in a temple, but it is in His church. I uh, look here. One commentator said it like this: Formerly, God's earthly abode was thought to be on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem in the temple. Now he makes his home in the church. Wow. I gave you this last week just to get you caught up. If you're taking notes on the back of the bulletin, number one, I love my church because Jesus is here. That's why we gather, because Jesus is here. He's the chief cornerstone. Everything is about him. Number two, we said this, what's important to Jesus is important to us. What's important to Jesus is important to us. You are important to Jesus. Go home and read Psalm 139. See how much God is thinking about you. You are important to Jesus. Therefore, we need to develop relationships. We need to develop friendships. So when you come into our church, what is important to us is not a program, is not how many people were here, but that you are here. And so we're excited about that. Every week when people come, we want you to to have a connection to God, number one, and also to each other. Because as we start to develop friendships, you start to develop relationships, all of a sudden God begins to do something powerful. And so you are important to God, therefore you're important to us. Now look how the, how the early church did this. In Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Again, they devoted themselves to, to, to the, the word of God. And to fellowship. You know, fellowship is a little bit more than just having a donut in the hallway. Um, you know, fellowship takes a little bit of time. Certainly, if you if you had a donut with somebody this morning or a cup of coffee around the church, that is a beginning of 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 of, uh, of connection, right? That's the beginning of fellowship. You said hi to somebody, you stuck your hand out, and and they shook your hand, and you had a nice a nice greeting, right? That's the beginning of fellowship. But fellowship is something much more. It's actually being able to spend life and actually be able to do life together and have other people who will come and bear your burdens, people who will lift you up in prayer, and develop these friendships, all right? Um, and That's what that, the early church focused on, and to the breaking of bread. Uh, some scholars think that that was just having a meal together. Others believe that it was uh, the, the Lord's Supper. And I, I'm inclined to believe that it's the Lord's Supper. And so that's when we come together several times a year, we have the Lord's Supper here. We do it about four, four to five times a year. And we open, we break bread. We say, Jesus said, eat this, do this in remembrance of me. So we do that here as well. He says also to prayer. Now, see, you can't get all this in just an hour, folks. You can't, this takes time. This takes relationship. This takes intentionality. You have to build a friendship. You have to build, build, build it through time. And, and then you say, well, how did they do it? Well, Acts 5.42 says that day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Did you catch it? What he said. They went from temple courts. That's our large group gathering. This morning, this is our temple court. This is when we gather in large group. This is whenever we are proclaiming truth. We are having corporate times of worship, and we are gathered together as his church, as his ecclesia. So that is the temple courts. And then he says, house to house. You see, for many years, I caught this part. I caught the temple courts. I came to church, and I enjoyed being in in a large group gathering. And then I started to understand the importance of the house-to-house. House-to-house does not necessarily mean that we have to be in a home. It means in a smaller environment. It's a more intimate setting. Uh, They happened to go from temple courts to to house-to-house. And so here in our church, we have some life groups that are meeting in houses. We have some that meet here at the church. So the the key is we're getting into smaller groups where people can begin to build relationship. And it was there that they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. You see, what we're talking about is one of the values here at our church One of the values here at Crossroads is we want you to uh, get, we want to provide an opportunity for you and want to encourage you to build real life community and relationships. Build real life community and relationships. And as we do that, here's what happens. We are trying to develop a a place where that wall, so if we throw that picture of that wall back up there, this wall could, uh, in your small group environment, your small group's going to look like this. People of different backgrounds. People that may have uh, slightly different views, th- different opinions, all right? Uh, as, as far as I'm concerned, you put three people together, you have three opinions, right? That's just the way life goes. And uh, so here's, here, as we get into relationship, at first you may be a little bit fearful of it. That's kind of natural because you don't have that relationship. But anything of value is going to be something new. It may be painful, it may be hard to get started but when you're done, you will come back and you'll stand back and you'll say, wow, look at that beautiful wall. Look at how when we get together, scripture says are two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am. So when God starts to build this, so now we go from temple courts to house to house. We're developing real life values, real life relationship. And in this environment, everybody is accepted. Everybody's accepted. So that means we're gonna develop True accountability we 're going to be honest we 're going to be uh, develop encouragement we 're going to develop growth we 're going to open god 's word together you 're going to have a group of people that begin to pray for you you 're going to have people that will be on your team that will that will lean into your life and as you start to do that it, all of a sudden you just see that your life begins to grow uh, hebrews three thirteen shows the relational relational language here for the church. He says, but encourage one another. That takes people, folks. You can't encourage one another by just coming in hearing a sermon, right? This takes people. This takes texting. This takes friendships. This takes time. Encourage one another. This says that I have to accept each other for who they are. Encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. So in other words, he's saying, do it today. Don't wait till tomorrow. Do it today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Here's what he says. You're followers of Jesus Christ. You're already following the way. Man, the only church that were known as followers of the way. He says, you're already a follower of the way. You're a follower of Jesus. And he says, You need relationships. You need to be encouraging one another so that you are not taken by sin. By the deceitfulness of sin. Here's what sin does. Sin always promises you more than what it can deliver. It will always promise you. Young people, I want you guys to catch that. You're in fifth, sixth grade down here. I want you to catch that because sin will always promise you more. You're going to go out into the world and they're going to promise you more than what it can deliver. So what do we need? We need a community of people around us that will lean into us and say, is that really what you're wanting to do with your life? It's people who will, who will gather around you and lean into you and say, is this really what you're looking for? Are you really? Okay, so here, let, let me give the example of a marriage. Husband and wife, you're going through a hard time. And you get together with, with your life group. And all of a sudden, maybe somebody in there, you've built a relationship enough with another, a man with another man, a woman with another woman, that somebody else can lean into you and say, you're treading on dangerous ground. Is this really what you want to do? Do you understand you're, you're going to hurt your marriage? Do you, do you see what he's saying? Because here's what happens. Sin's deceitfulness. Sin will tell you, but this is so good over here. And, and, and help you to encourage each other that's what the body of Christ is so when we come and we gather around the body of Christ is in that so from large group now down to a smaller group and as we get into a smaller group the smaller group is coming and they're leaning into you and saying is that really what you want how can I encourage you? You see, they're encouraging you all the more. As we see the end times approaching, we get to encourage each other. Uh, here, here's the deal. We grow spiritually when we move from association to participation. I want you to catch that because here we are. You come in and you can be the nation, right? Sunday morning, we, we're part of the nation. We're together, rah, rah. Now when we get down to a smaller group, we're even all the way down to one-on-one, right? We get all the way into these more intimate relationships here. All of a sudden, what happens is I have moved from association to participating. I am no longer just associating myself with the church. I'm participating. I'm no longer just saying I'm a follower of Christ. I'm going to have people around me who will help me follow Christ. You know, through the years, one of my struggles is is the exercise, right? Right? Go, go to exercise. Do you know what? The times that I have succeeded the most are when people said, hey, I'll meet you at the gym because I feel like I'm letting them down if I don't meet them, right? And, and so this is what happens in your spiritual life. When you have people around you spiritually, they're going to help guide you. They're going to help encourage you. And so listen to that word encourage, admonish, encourage, build each other up as we see the day approaching. The Apostle Paul gave, if you look through the New Testament, the Apostle Paul wrote uh, about half the New Testament. And as you look through his writings, you'll, you'll see this list of one another's. Okay, He has this list of one another's. There's actually 30 commands in, in Paul's writings, in the scripture here, that he gives that you cannot do by yourself. So if, he's gonna get, if this is important, folks, this means that I need to build relationships. It means I need to go beyond just check, I did church. Check, I said hi in the hallway. Now I'm getting to the point where people will pour into me, lean into me. And look, he says, number one, forgive one another. Uh, folks the church is filled with people who hurt each other If i can say that That, that's painful isn't it and if you've had a bad experience with church i apologize on behalf of the church at large because listen the 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 church is filled with people that are fallen people that have made mistakes and god has redeemed us but we're not perfect yet and so people your your feelings will get hurt You will have disagreements. And the scripture says, if you're a follower, if you've got this vertical relationship with Jesus, here's how we'll know. By you forgiving one another. And see, I need people to lean into me. And I need people in a smaller environment. I need people with relationship to lean into me and say, Ken, I noticed you haven't forgiven. You seem to be a little bit bitter. You bring that up all the time about so-and-so. And that's that's what we need. That's what the church is. That's why I love my church, because it's a a place that's going to help me not to beat me up and say, well, you know, you're not very spiritual today because I see you're not forgiving. That's called legalism. No, no, no. We're not about legalism. We're about people saying, man, do you really want to be entrapped? Do you really want to be a slave to this ugly attitude that you're carrying and learn how to forgive one another? How about accept one another? That's why I love that picture of that wall, man. We're all different. Learn how to accept one another. I'm not going to learn how to do that unless I'm in a relationship. Care for one another. Encourage one another. Restore one another. Carry one another's burdens. Oh, this is, this is a big part. You need somebody to carry that burden with you, folks. The, 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 life is hard. God says, I need you to have people around you. And listen, for men, this is especially hard. Because in our culture, we've been taught that you're strong, you can handle this, right? And God says, wait a minute, I have provided for you. I am placing around you other men who will help you carry this burden. And you say, well, nobody's helping me. Well, here's what the scripture says. If a man wants to have friends, he must show himself friendly. And so I want to encourage you, men, we've got to step up to this and, and build this around us. If you want to help build the kingdom of God, let's go out and build your life. Your wife needs you, men, to have other men around you. Do you understand that? Other men, other godly men, your wife, your marriage needs it. And women, your marriage needs you to have other women who are speaking into you. Not just having fun. But to get to the point where other people can speak into your life and they can encourage you. Uh, to bear with one another. I think many times in the church, this is a, this, we have to practice this. Because you know, sometimes I haven't forgiven, or maybe I have forgiven, and sometimes you just don't like somebody. Does that ever happen? Probably not in our church, right? Sometimes there's an, everybody's personalities always gel, right? Here's what God says. As the family of God, you need to bear with one another tolerate each other deal with it and love so when we learn to love we learn to accept but we learn to bear all right so that's the one another list and and so I love my church because you know do you really say well I love part of my church but I don't like these people but God says wait a minute this all works together if you're loving me you're going to love my people Hebrews 10, verses 19 through 25 says this. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body. So he's he's giving some heavy doctrine here. He says, listen, we don't have to go to the temple anymore and sacrifice an animal. We don't have to do that. We come before God. And you get to go directly into God because of Jesus, what he did on the cross. He says, by a new and living way, he opened for us through the curtain. That is his body. Next, next verse he says and since we have a great high priest since we have Jesus our great high priest over the house of God let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with a, having the full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water so he gives you this heavy doctrine and man I could teach about three hours on these verses alone but I want to show you something he says look We have this great high priest. We have Jesus. You don't have to come to the pastor to get to God. You go right to God. And he says, however, now the very next verse, check this out, verse 23. Let us hold, look, see the relational? Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we've professed. For he who promised is faithful. And let us encourage, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds the word spur means provoke it means to push it means to irritate you say well I have plenty of people I know that irritate me when you think of provoke you always think negative don't you here's what it is you want want God in your life who have you allowed into your life that can give you a little kick they can say hey you're out of bounds today get back in the game I understand your pain. I understand what you're going through. But look, let me spur you on to love and good deeds. You have to give people permission for that. See, if I do that without your permission, you think I'm an idiot. And even with permission, you might not be too happy, right? He says to spur you on towards love and good deeds. So I see you starting to veer off and you're you're walking away from God. A friend who loves, a friend who cares says, I'm going to spur you on to love and good deeds. You, I've spent so much time with you. This is not what you're looking for in your life. Just listen to me. Listen to me. And we spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And then he says here, now check this out. He says, let us not give up meeting together. Oh, how many times have I heard people drop out of a group because they didn't like something? They drop out of church because they didn't like something. He says, don't give up meeting together. Maybe it's somebody in that group you don't like. Folks, that building has really got a whole lot of different stones in it. Don't not get involved in a smaller community because you don't like somebody. Don't not get involved because that's where God is dwelling. And so don't look at the stone that you don't like. Look at the Master, Jesus. Because when we come together, He's there. It is so powerful. So don't look at what I like. See, we live in a world so full of consumerism, folks. Church is not consumers. Believers, we're not called to be consumers. We're called to be worshipers. We're called to be his children. We're called to live with that one another list. He says, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. Encourage, get in the group, come grow, come learn, come know who he is. All the more as you see the day approaching. Now, as we wrap up today, I want want to encourage you with this here. There's, There's a list of groups in our church right now that are meeting. These are smaller environments, okay? Um, here, here's the upper room class. Roger Metcalf teaches this. That's at Sunday at 11 o'clock. You, they teach. He, he opens up the Bible. And in, within there, they have a community. Those people care for each other. They love each other. If you want to get in involved in that community, you come to church at 9.30, and then you go down the hall at 11 and take it the next step. There's one that meets at Sunday, Sunday morning at 9.30, just down the hall. <coughs> Stop by the Next Steps booth. They'll be able to help you with that. If you want to do that, come 9.30. Go to a smaller group environment, and then come into here at 11. You see, this is how we take the next steps. I'm not abandoning this. I'm going to hold true to my time of worship. Now I'm going to get deeper in relationship. Um, Shepley. uh, Patty Shepley has a woman's group. They meet Tuesday at 4.30 at somebody's house. Here's Jessie McLean. She has a young woman's group. They meet every other Monday at 7 o'clock. Here's the McNeese. Uh, Luke and Jesse, I'm sorry, that's Dan and Christy. Dan and Christy McNeese have a life group. They meet on Tuesdays, I think twice a month, 6.30. Uh, you want to get involved with them? Talk to talk to the McNeese. Uh, there's the Peterson life group. Alicia Peterson has a group of women. They get together Tuesdays at 6 o'clock. Uh, there's a men's group. Chuck Group leads a, a men's group on Wednesday night. I want to encourage you folks. If you're bringing your kid up, don't go run into the grocery store. You only got one hour. <laughs> Drop your kid off and go hang out in one of these groups. We have the men's group. Chuck's a great Bible teacher. But more importantly, you'll, you'll get a family. You'll start to know people. There's a woman's group. Nancy Baker's leading a group right now. I, I think their studies called Goliath Must Fall. Powerful stuff, folks. Your life will be encouraged. My wife was sitting in there Wednesday night. She had a ball. She came home excited about Jesus. I said, "Well, that's good because I'm the pastor, and I can't give you anything more, right? All right. Uh, women's groups, uh, young married life group. This group meets Thursdays at 6:30. They meet every week. Here's another group, the McLeans. That's Luke and Jesse's group. They meet Thursdays at 6:30. Slagles. There's one at the Slagle home. They meet Thursdays 6:30. I think twice a month. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a step. What is the action step today? To build a relationship." And you say, oh, man, I don't like relationships. It's scary. I'm a man. I don't need that. I'm not asking you to be pansy about it, right? I'm asking you to be a man and meet some men and talk about God and let them lean into you. I'm asking you, maybe you want to join a couples group, maybe a small group, men, women, whatever. Stop by the life group table. Take that connection card. We'll get you to a group. But I want you to catch the principle. This is not about a program. The principle here is you need the family of God. And as I close here, here this is my 10th time closing, but let me close with this, all right? Here's what, the, here's what the group around you will become like. Who is spurring you on? That's the question. Who is spurring you on today? Who is spurring you on to love and good deeds? You know, do you ever see on TV whenever they have those shows with the, with the workout trainer? And the workout trainer, you know, the guy's on the treadmill. He's like, I want to quit. And the trainer gets in his face and goes, you can't quit. You thought that pizza tasted so good. Nothing tastes as good as skinny feels, right? And he's going on and he's losing his mind. Why? Because the guy said, I just want to move forward. I want to make a change. That's what a life group is. They're people that you let speak into your life. Say, do you really want to do that? You're going to worship God? You're going to follow our Savior? How can I encourage you? Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed today, if you've not opened your heart to Jesus, I ask you this morning to open your heart to Jesus. It all starts with Jesus. Um, Relationships with humans are great, but you've got to start that vertical relationship with God. So I invite you, if you've not opened your heart, just pray something like this to God today. Dear God, I'm a sinner and I need a savior. You died on the cross. You paid for my sin. And I invite you into my life right now. And if you've done that today, I want to ask you to just share that with somebody. Say, hey, God's working in my life. I prayed today and started a relationship with Jesus. And for others, I want you to pray about your next step. I want you to go get information. I want you to find the next step and bring yourself into a place where you can have relationships, where people will help you grow more like Christ. Lord, be with your people. We thank you for the church. We love our church because you gave it to us. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, folks, let's all stand together. And if you would greet those around you, just get your kids first before you get carried away on the greeting, all right? God bless you. You are dismissed.